welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, and here I am once again, par usual, taping this at just a few minutes to midnight, which seems to be my preferred witching hour. We're also just a few days before Christmas. Christmas Eve is coming up on Friday night, Christmas Day on Saturday. That's about the extent of what I know about Christmas, right? Because I'm Jewish? Not. I know a lot about Christmas. As a matter of fact, I grew up feeling very, very, very jealous of Christmas because we had Hanukkah. Hanukkah Kronika. Eight days of crappy gifts from my mother to get maybe, you know, one or two decent ones. I've already told you about that one. I mean, who gives their kids a bottle of shampoo for Hanukkah? That is a bad deal in Kidland. You're only supposed to give gifts that are real gifts. You know, it's like, what was next? Probably if I stayed home longer, she would have given me toilet paper. And with my luck, it would have been one ply. Personally, by the way, I think one-ply toilet paper is an abomination from God, you know? And if you want me to come over your house or maybe go on a vacation with you or have an adventure with you, you better not have one-ply toilet paper because I'm not having it. But I digress. The point is we are gearing up for Christmas. Well, at least some people are anyway. And I do love, I've always loved the Christmas season. When growing up, it seemed like so far away and so untouchable. Because I was stuck with the menorah that my mother got for opening the Christmas Club account for a dollar. She got the free menorah. We had the menorah and the crappy gifts and generally a whole bunch of food that had previously lived in a can. You know, I don't know what to say about that one. But, well, I do have a lot to say about that one, which is that asparagus, as it turns out, does not grow in a can. Who knew? But anyway, but my friends, especially my friends when we moved to the posh town of Rumson, New Jersey, and we went to a high school called Rumson Fairhaven High School. So yes, this is a shout out to Rumson Fairhaven High School because seems these kids show up everywhere. But anyway, it was a very posh town. And the friends that I made in that town, they were doing amazing things on Christmas. They were lighting a fire. Not like the kind of fire we used to light where, you know, my mother would try to make a sort of fire in these charcoal grills where we never had any lighter fluid. And she'd wind up throwing in newspapers and that just sort of did horrible things to our crappy kosher hamburgers. No, they were having real fires in a fireplace. The stockings hanging, filled with treats, and an exciting night on Christmas Eve, and maybe a fabulous party. And then everyone would wake up on Christmas Day, and there'd be gifts around the tree, and they'd pretend for the young ones and, you know, those who just want to keep on dreaming, that Santa Claus had come. I mean, it all sounded so great, except that I started thinking about Santa Claus, and I was like, how on earth did this dude 
get in a sleigh and not like a rocket ship or a jet or a fighter jet or any of those things that go really fast. Get in a sleigh and somehow manage to bring gifts to every kid who wasn't rotten the year before. Well, I guess luckily for him, most kids are rotten at least a few times in the year. So maybe he didn't have to give out that many gifts. Maybe in the entire world, he was only able to able to find like 10 kids who were good the whole year. And some of them were in a coma, you know? I mean, kids just aren't good, they're rotten. What can I say? We act out, we do things. But let's say if Santa was really only giving gifts to kids that were good the whole year, he didn't really have such a big list, you know what I mean? But Santa was good, so he gave people a lot of breaks, and so he supposedly gave out hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gifts, or millions of gifts, I don't know. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, there's just no way, because there was like two or three minutes in my childhood that I kind of pondered the whole Santa thing, and it just didn't add up. But once I got past that, I kind of liked the idea of it the excitement of Christmas Eve and the wonder of Christmas morning. I don't know. I just felt really locked out of Christmas. Plus, the trees smelled so great. The pine, I love it. Even now, in New York City, all the vendors come in around Christmas season and they set up an entire block of pine trees. And they're selling them, you know, for Christmas trees. I just make excuses to find those blocks where the Christmas tree salespeople are because I love to walk by and smell that smell of that glorious fresh pine. It's beautiful. Now granted, I don't like it when it's, you know, getting to be a week after Christmas. Some people do this like two seconds after Christmas. I'm like, what is the rush? But for the most part, people wait till New Year's and some people a little longer. But ultimately, all those trees are thrown out. And that always makes me feel really sad. I like it when people try to do interesting things with the trees. Like I think they were using them as mulch in Tompkins Square Park. People sometimes would do cool things with them, but for the most part, I see all those trees thrown out after the holidays are over and I just feel bad for them. I always kind of think, you know what? Maybe instead of chopping down all these trees, we could grow trees on Christmas. You know, we could spend money to plant trees in areas where a fire has just been. And then on that living tree that you've planted, you could decorate it and celebrate Christmas. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? So if every Christmas, if everyone, instead of chopping down the tree and making a tree, went to a place that really needed trees and planted a tree and fertilized it and loved it and adored it and and, you know you could decorate it why not you know wouldn't that be kind of a better way to go but what do I know you know I'm Jewish you know but anyway over the years I started having a chance to celebrate Christmas because I would go out with women and sometimes men men were brief it was a brief period of time mostly women who celebrated Christmas, so through them we got to have a tree. And that was exciting. And I, you know, I didn't really quite understand how to do the whole thing, but I really got into decorating the tree. I liked stringing the popcorn. I was, I was really good at that. 
getting the needle and the thread and stringing the popcorn. Okay, it was a little bit of a pain in the neck, but I was good at that. I liked decorating the tree. I had a wonderful roommate who was really into it, and she helped me do a gorgeous tree. And since it was her tree and not my tree, I could still be Jewish, and I didn't do anything that would have upset my mother. You know what I mean? But anyway, I remember this one year, I had two cats. One was J.D., named after James Dean, but since he was completely black, he was also named after Jack Daniels. And one was Crusoe, but I changed her name to Lulu. She was named after Robinson Crusoe, but Lulu fit her much more. And anyway, I named her Crusoe originally because she'd been abandoned on a boat marina. This stupid idiot family went off for the summer on a yacht and they got a kitten for their kids to play with for the whole summer. At the end of the summer, they returned the boat to the dock, and they left, and they left the kitten, which was now, I guess, three months or four months old, on the boat, just abandoned it. And the poor little thing, you know, was just getting by by being thrown scraps and whatnot. It was really a bit demented by the time I got her. She was, uh, you shall say, a bit ferocious. It took me a long time to break her in, but ultimately... Of course, she became the most loyal creature you could have. But J.D., he was always a little bit special. You might say he he rode on, what do you call it, the short bus? You know, he would have definitely been the kid that needed a lot of extra help. He was a little bit special. I kind of thought of him as, do you remember the Bowery Boys? Are you too young? No one remembers the Bowery Boys, but... There's a character on the Bowery Boys that reminded me of J.D. He was a little bit special. Anyway, so this one year, we decorated all this tinsel on the Christmas tree, and it looked beautiful. We had like three different colors of tinsel, kind of a sapphire and a red and a green, and it was gorgeous. Anyway, in the morning, I woke up all excited. I think um, this was only the second or third time there had been a Christmas tree in my home, and none of them were mine. They were always my girlfriend or my roommates, but why can't a Jew celebrate Christmas too, you know? So I was all excited. It was a rare thing and a new thing for me, and I woke up in the morning all ready to see my beautiful tree, and all the tinsel was gone. It just disappeared. I looked everywhere for it. I looked under the beds. I looked behind the couch. I just looked everywhere. And it was just gone. It really freaked me out. And then I started thinking, you know, I lived on a six-floor walk-up. And the main reason I lived on a six-floor walk-up, this was in Greenwich Village, was because I knew that my mother, Harriet, could never make it up the stairs. And I had lived in places before that which were only on the second floor. And she made it up the stairs and had a few fairly horrifying visits. So I figured, I moved to a six-floor walk-up. It'll be a good workout for my legs. And it'll keep my mother Harriet from ever visiting. And she never could make it up the stairs. It worked really well. My dad only came up once, and I think he had to take oxygen for the rest of the week. So... There I was on my six-floor walk-up with all the tinsel gone, and I thought, did my Yiddish mama come in the night, see the tree, and in horror, take all the tinsel away? 
because that is something my mother would have done. But I knew she never would have made it up the stairs, so it was a mystery. Anyway, the next, I guess it was a morning after that, I heard this weird sound coming out of the kitchen. And in the kitchen, past the kitchen, it was old pre-war, really old apartment. And through the kitchen was the bathroom. There was an old clawfoot tub in the bathroom. And that's where we kept the litter box. So I heard this really weird sound, which was J.D. kind of making a horrified noise, as if he'd gone in to do what cats do in the litter box and just discovered something really upsetting. And I, it was, it was, um, sounded more like a wolf than a cat. Like, ooh, ooh, you know, like, I'll spare you. Anyway, he came running out of the bathroom, running through the apartment as if he was being chased by a horde of demons. And out of his butt trailed about 20 feet of tinsel. I kid you not. So what this little dingbat cat had done was proceeded to eat all of the tinsel and then was downright shocked when it was all trailing out of his butt I mean it was I tried not to laugh because I felt really worried about him but we did have to kind of laugh and then of course I didn't know what to do so I called the vet and the vet instructed me to get a pair of scissors and just keep cutting the tinsel and it'll come out you know just cut it and give it time so it took a day or two but Ultimately, it all came out of JD. I will never forget that image. Now, I suppose that's not a fair thing to share with you because now you're going to be looking at your beautiful Christmas tree and looking over at your dogs and cats and wondering if you might have the same pleasure. And so I'm going to warn you, if you wake up one Christmas morning and all the tinsel is gone and your cats are acting a little weird, just get ready. You know what I mean? But I digress. So the point is that I'm getting into the Christmas spirit, even though I'm Jewish. I believe in Merry Chronica. I believe in Happy Jewmas. I believe in just making it all great and fabulous for all of us. And it was always sort of a bummer of my childhood to be locked out of Christmas. So there's certain things I like doing. Now, I'm not really down with the whole religious part of it. I just, I'm down with the festive, joyful, loving family part of it. I'm down with the crazy amounts of food, and I love the gift giving. I loved all of that. But what I mostly love is the Christmas spirit. Like in New York, you know, we're a pretty cranky, moody bunch in New York, especially right now. Forget it. We are so sick of COVID. It's not even funny. I'm starting to think, you know, it's like if COVID doesn't get you, What's really going to get you is the fatigue of the whole thing. Like, here we are again with this cockamamie new variant. What is it called? The Omicron? I keep forgetting how to say it. Omicron? Omicron? Sounds like a, not a superhero, but like a villain. Like, Batman has to go and fight Omicron or Omicron, wherever the hell you say it. Get him, Batman. Kill Omicron. Get Omicron out of here. Well, There's a few words I'd like to say right now, but then I can't be on the public radio anymore. So just imagine all of them start with F, and then you can fill in the blanks. But basically, this variant really seems to have its heart set on ruining Christmas. You know, it's like the Grinch. 
the Omicron Grinch is what it is. And it's like ruining our fun. We're feeling afraid again. We weren't feeling afraid. 2020 was like the year of fear and shock and horror and everything else we went through with COVID. But then it started getting so much better. And now here we are again as we approach New Year's Eve and Christmas when we should be feeling ecstatic and full of love and joy. And we're feeling afraid again. We're putting our mask back on. We're running out and getting our vaccines and our boosters, which you should be, by the way. I had a conversation with an older guy. He's like a 70-ish year old guy. And he was proud to report that he was not vaccinated and was not planning on getting vaccinated. And while he was talking, my girlfriend and I were backing up slowly, five feet, then 10 feet away. And I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, he was skin and bones. He had no body fat. He was 70-ish in his early 70s being anti-vax. I mean, you know, if this dude gets COVID, like he's going, right? So I'm like... I tried to sort of explain that to him gently. And my girlfriend tried to explain that something like 95 or 99% of the people who die of COVID are not vaccinated. But he didn't want to hear it. So I don't know, is that a death wish? Is he just feeling like I've lived long enough and I want out? I don't know what it is. But it is all of these people who will not get vaccinated who are ruining it for the rest of us. So... Omicron, Omicron, Comicon, Shamicon. Just get the hell out. We don't want you here. You're ruining our fun. You're raining on our parade. You're putting fear into Christmas. You're putting fear into New Year's. We need Batman to come and kick Omicron's ass right now, okay? That's all I got to say on the subject. So I'm sorry that we still have to deal with this crap. Personally, not only do I have COVID fatigue and COVID chazerai, but I also have COVID boredom, you know? I'm bored with the mask. I'm bored with the vaccines. I'm bored with worrying. I'm bored with not hugging. I'm bored with it all. I want to go back to being free, to feeling the wind on my face, to hugging people I care about, all the time, everywhere, to giving handshakes and not the stupid elbow bump. I want all of that. That's what I'd like for Christmas. If you want to give me a present, give me a world free of COVID where we can all hold each other. But, oh, that sounds like it could get a little sexual pretty fast. So maybe we don't all have to simultaneously hold each other because, you know, some things may happen with that. But you know what I'm saying? Anyway, in the spirit of Christmas, let's just think of it as something we have to go through a little longer. And the best way to get through it is by channeling our love and channeling our joy and loving as much as we can and sharing as much love as we can. And if you don't have any money, find other ways to give people beautiful presents. Maybe you can cook, cook for them. Maybe you can't cook and you don't have any money what you could give them as a present is you could help them people need help all the time people in your neighborhood right now are struggling to take care of themselves they may be 
too old and not able to afford help, you could come and help them. You could mow their lawn. You could shovel their walk when it snows. There's all sorts of wonderful things you could do for people on Christmas. And if you have Jewish friends like me who grew up not being able to celebrate Christmas, you can invite us over and let us sit in front of the fire and sing carols. And maybe you have to stay six feet away, but you could still sing carols. And maybe we can't hold each other, but we could still want to. You know, we could still we could still make it work. Now, it's an odd thing to say since we're talking about all of this love and joy and Christmas and New Year's and what we're going through with the crappy variants and everything else. But the other thing I've been thinking about is ketchup. You're like, okay, Rossi, a.k.a. Chef Rossi, that is a segue that is too much for even you. And you're right, but it is not because of two things. One, I have rhythm, and two, I'm sipping Cavassier. I decided since it was the holidays, I was going to up my game. I put away the tequila, and I'm having a little bit of Cavassier, and it's making me feel very velvet, but it's also making me think about ketchup. So ketchup is a kind of analogy for everything I'm feeling right now. It is something you look at it and you say, well, that's just ketchup. Most grown-ups look at it and say, that's just ketchup. And yet, ask anyone under the age of 13 what they think when you hold up a bottle of ketchup. And they're like, that is ketchup. I love ketchup. Ketchup rolls. It's like the holy grail of food to 12-year-olds. Somehow we get older and we're like, that's just ketchup. No big deal. And, you know, if you have a filet mignon and so you saw someone attempt to pour ketchup on it, you would almost be like, I don't ever want to see this person. I don't know them. I have nothing to do with them. They're way too low class. Get me out of here. Granted, I have catered weddings where I served really four and five star food if, you know, if they gave four and five stars to loudmouth lesbians like myself and had clients ask for ketchup or hot sauce. It happened twice. So I told the waiter to tell them to drop dead. But, you know, aside from that, I'm usually very polite. But here's the thing about ketchup. It is an astonishing little thing, a device, a sexy little thing misunderstood and unappreciated and fabulous thing and I throw it everywhere I think it's a patron saint of excellent food now granted I'm a white trash Jew as you know but I throw it everywhere when I'm making a dumpling sauce I do my ginger of course my tamari of course a little rice wine vinegar why not maybe a little sesame oil why not you know, I'm going on my way to a perfect little dumpling sauce, but it needs a little something. And what do I do? I whisk in a spoonful of ketchup. No one ever knows. They just think, why does that dumpling sauce have that interesting sweet tang to it? Ketchup, my secret ingredient. When I'm making a pad thai dressing, cilantro, yes. Fresh lime juice, yes. Chili and honey. Yes, tamari, yes. All of that's going in and garlic is going in and ginger's going in. And sometimes sriracha is going in. All of that gorgeous scallions, yes. 
Did I tell you garlic? Yes, more of that. It's all in there. But it needs something, a little bit of love. And guess what? A couple of plops of ketchup. I'm telling you, everybody loves my pad thai dressing. I'm famous for my pad thai dressing. And they never guess the secret ingredient. And that is ketchup. So what can I say? What about salad dressing? You know what? One of the best salads I ever had was at a Japanese restaurant years ago. It was gorgeous, and I, I tried to isolate it in my mouth, what was going on. I tasted the rice wine vinegar. I could taste some sugar or mirin, the sweet is definitely in there. I could taste the ginger. I could taste some garlic. I could taste hot. I knew there was some chili pepper or something spicy happening there. Maybe Sri Racha. I knew that was in there. I could taste some oil. I could taste all the components of a interesting zingy gingery salad dressing with a bit of sweet but there was something else in there that I couldn't quite make and I asked the waiter what was in the dressing and the waiter said oh this is our rice wine and everything I just said a little bit of sweet and a little bit of hot and a little bit of ginger and a little bit of love and blah 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 you know big old bull bull duty that is not what I'm asking what is that secret thing that was in there and finally the waiter admitted the secret ingredient was ketchup and do you know what fantastic Japanese salad dressing try it a little rice wine vinegar, a little ginger, a little oil, a little tamari, a little sriracha, a little bit of anything else you want to throw in there. And then a little bit of ketchup. It's a beautiful thing. I think that if the world could be a little bit like ketchup, it'd be an interesting place, right? We'd go to judge it. And the children appreciate the magic. Ask any kid about ketchup and they appreciate the magic. I cannot do a bar mitzvah or a bas mitzvah or a birthday party for a child and not have ketchup around. Because even if you're serving pizza, somehow they're going to be asking for ketchup. But we get older and we forget about magic and we forget about fun. And we become boring and we become obsessed and we become fearful. And we spend our days and nights worrying about COVID-19 and, you know, how can you not? We forget about the magic. So why not embrace the magic? Put a little ketchup into your life everywhere you can. If, I, if you started doing crazy, fun, deliciously lovely things with ketchup in surprising places and then served magical meals and then told your guests, guess what the secret ingredient is? and it was ketchup, I it would just delight them and it would be so much fun too, don't you think? Think about it right now. What crazy, wonderful thing could you do that you could add ketchup to that would just be outstanding? In a barbecue sauce, of course, but that's not surprising. In a shrimp cocktail sauce, of course, but that's not surprising. But in your salad dressing, hell yes. In a spring roll dip or a dumpling dip or a pad thai dressing, of course. Just try it everywhere you can. See what exciting thing happens. I'm telling you, we go through more ketchup in my kitchen 
Well, I have to admit, I go through a lot of mustard, too. And as you know, I go through a lot of sriracha, mostly because I like saying it. But ketchup, I think, I think I love you. So this year for Christmas, think about joy and think about love and think about friendship and gifts and plenty and abundance and think about ketchup, too. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love. And so are you.